This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. During the epiphany season, through his words and through his works, we have seen our Savior reveal his glory as the true and only Son of God, a glory for all the world. Today, at the end of the epiphany season, we see Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there suddenly his glory comes shining through as human flesh and blood. Today we're reminded in the gospel to don't forget the glory. Today's gospel reading in the words of our sermon text, Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up onto a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His face was shining like the sun. His clothing became as white as the light. Just then, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. Just then, a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus approached, and as he touched them, he said, Get up and do not be afraid. When they opened their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Do not tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. In the name of our great and glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, dear fellow believers, some years ago, a head coach in the NFL took a calculated risk. Eight days before his team was going to play in the Super Bowl, he surprised them by having everyone on the team fitted for a ring, a Super Bowl ring. The glorious grand prize that every player in the National Football League wants to get his hands on. They kept that ring fitting quiet until well after the Super Bowl. The coach didn't want anyone to think that they were being arrogant or that he was overconfident. He just wanted his players to realize how close they were and what was at stake. And so he said of that low-key ring fitting, it set the mental mindset that you've got to go out there and play this game knowing that you've got something to accomplish and this is the prize. You know something, that mountaintop experience of the Lord Jesus, that transfiguration, was something like that. Of course, this was no game, and the stakes were infinitely higher. The salvation of a lost human race was hanging in the balance. But still, on that glory-filled mountain, the prize of future heavenly glory was put on full display. 
and for the encouragement of our dear Savior, and for the encouragement of his frightened disciples, and for the encouragement of all of us still today, the message came through loud and clear, don't forget the glory. That was an important encouragement, first of all, for Jesus. Yes, of course, Jesus was and is and always will be the almighty, all-knowing, eternal Son of God. But remember that while he walked the face of this earth, Jesus had entered into what we call his state of humiliation. And that means that he had set aside the full and constant use of his divine power and his divine glory. And so as Jesus lived his life here in this world, his glory was concealed under his human flesh and blood. And remember that as Jesus walked up that mount of transfiguration as the all-knowing Son of God, he understood that the agony of the cross was now drawing closer. It was about nine months or so away. Jesus knew that there he would be laying down his sinless life for the sins of the world. Now think about that. This wasn't like you dreading next week's appointment to have that root canal. This wasn't like you dreading a long weekend visit from your least favorite relative. There at the cross, the Lord Jesus would suffer through unimaginable anguish as he stepped in as our substitute. He took our sin on himself. He took our guilt on himself. He took the punishment that our sins had earned on himself. He literally would suffer hell in our place. Now, as true God, Jesus understood that was coming. But as true man, it filled him with a certain amount of anguish. Remember that night before he died? Jesus on his knees praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it is possible, take this cup, the cup of suffering from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Remember how that night Jesus looked at his disciples and said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Here at the transfiguration, Jesus is being encouraged by the glory of what he would undertake for the world. He is transfigured. His divine glory as the Son of God comes shining through in all its splendor. Matthew likens it here to the sun. Mark in his gospel account says that his, his clothes became whiter than anyone in the world could ever bleach them. The gospel writer Luke compared Jesus' shining glory to the brightness of lightning. But don't you see the glory that was Jesus is from all eternity. He, he now sees the glory that would be given to him when he would be received back into heaven as the sinner's conquering champion. Don't forget the glory, Jesus. And what's more, he's reminded of that great glory in the voice of his Father that called out from the heavens, This is my Son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. And to top it all off, suddenly there appears Moses and Elijah. What a reminder for us that those who live in the Lord live forever. Moses and Elijah, those, those two representatives of the Old Testament are there. And they're a reminder for us that what was about to happen to Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of everything that God had promised over and over again throughout the centuries 
through his Old Testament prophets. Lord, don't forget the glory. And Moses and Elijah are speaking with Jesus. Luke tells us that they talked with him about his upcoming death in Jerusalem. They're encouraging Jesus, the work that you came here to do, continue on, dear Savior. This is the plan that the Father had laid out for you and for the world from before time. Bring glory to your Father by completing that work. Don't forget the glory. That was also an important encouragement for the disciples. Six days or so before this, Jesus was explaining to his disciples that before too long he would be betrayed into the hands of his enemies, that he would suffer and be put to death, and on the third day rise again. And that's when Simon Peter snapped at him. He rebuked Jesus and said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, we understand that. Jesus was his friend, of course. But Peter didn't know what he was saying. You know, at times during Jesus' ministry, it seems as though the disciples had this faulty notion about the glory that Jesus had come to accomplish. Sometimes they seem to be looking at Jesus as a kind of earthly messiah, one who had come into the world to rid them of their enemies, to give them their freedom back, to work his miracles, to cure their ills, to set up a powerhouse of an earthly kingdom. They didn't want to hear talk of his suffering and death. They didn't understand, though, that would be the path to glory. And what's more, there on the Mount of Transfiguration, safely out of the reach of their enemies, as Peter, James, and John watched this jaw-dropping sight, the glory of Jesus come shining through, Peter just blurted out that he wanted to make the experience last. It's good to be here, Lord. Tell you what, I'll put up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Clearly, Peter didn't understand yet that the path to real glory had to go through the cross. Neither did his fellow disciples. And then they saw Jesus lay down his life on the cross. And they were terrified. So what did they do? They huddled together in a locked room for fear of the Jews. They worried and they wondered, and they panicked until finally Easter evening, suddenly Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Forty days after that, they watched Jesus ascend back up into heaven. Ten days after that, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them in full measure at Pentecost. And now they truly understood the glory that the Savior had come to win. Not to shelter in place here on this earth, but to go and prepare mansions of glory for us in heaven through his death and resurrection. And in the end, as the apostles look back on the events of Jesus' earthly ministry and of Transfiguration Day, they recalled all that they had heard and seen. You, you heard Simon Peter writing about it in our second reading this morning. He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The apostle John, who was also there, he wrote this in his gospel. He said, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now they were able to fit all the pieces together. 
They recalled and were encouraged by the glory of their Savior. It was part of what had changed them and shaped them. It it made them see the big picture, and it made them bold to go out and, and preach the gospel. Even in the face of suffering, persecution, and martyrdom, And now, of course, through faith in Jesus, Peter, James, and John live in that heavenly glory that they saw that day. Don't forget the glory. That's an important encouragement for us, too. The world, by and large, will not observe this Transfiguration Day. This isn't a national holiday. None of the stores are having Transfiguration sales. But friends, don't miss the glory that's here for you in this account. The Lord had this written for our learning. He wants us to stand there with Peter, James, and John to see what they saw. He wants us to see this Jesus, our Savior, standing there. He's not your life coach. He's not your co-pilot. He is your Lord, your God, your Savior. He came to take the perfect holy glory that was his so that he could give it to you. He came for every single time that you haven't listened to him. He came for every single time that you haven't seen him rightly when you've refused to look to him in faith. He came for every single time when you asked him to look the other way while you went ahead and indulged in whatever sin it was that you were chasing after at the moment. He came for all of that. That Jesus standing there shining with the brightness of the sun came to be the lightning rod of God's righteous anger because of my sins and yours. We should note today that Jesus chose not to stay there in the friendly confines of that safe mountain, speaking with Moses and Elijah, shining in glory. Instead, he walked down from that Mount of Transfiguration, only to climb up the hill that they called Golgotha, so that he could wash you clean with his holy, precious blood. So thank him with your life. Embrace him in faith and worship him in truth. And today see the glory there. But also listen to the glory there. Imagine for a moment that conversation that Jesus was having with Moses and Elijah. They were talking about his upcoming death at Jerusalem. I can only imagine the tone of of wonderful love with which the Savior spoke as he explained to them, yes, I know it's going to be an agonizing death, but I'll do whatever it takes to save a sinful human race. That's how much he loves you. There on that mountain, listen. Listen to the voice of the Heavenly Father calling out to you from heaven. He's pointing you to Jesus. This is my son, he tells you. Look, don't sell Jesus short in life. Don't brush him off. This is the son of God, the one who willingly became also the son of man to set you free. That faith that the Holy Spirit has planted so firmly in your heart leads you to nod in agreement as you hear the Father say of Jesus, listen to him, and you will, and you do, because you know that he speaks words of amazing grace and perfect guidance. He speaks words of life, your life. And then just as Jesus came down from that spectacular mountain 
and walked with his disciples back out into the real world to face ongoing and what will become growing opposition and pain and suffering. Let's remember this morning that you and I must necessarily walk through the plane of this earthly life and that it will often be filled with attendant problems and pain and confusion and suffering and turmoil and trauma and trouble and illness. But know that just like those disciples, the Lord Jesus is walking with you to the plane. And when those troubles come and when you start to panic And when you start to be afraid, then listen to Jesus whispering to you in his gospel, don't forget, I am with you always. I'm here and I'm in control. Trust me. Don't forget the glory. Realize that the glory that you see on display there this morning on the Mount of Transfiguration will be your glory someday. Jesus has made it so. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Through faith in him, Jesus has promised and secured for you a heavenly and eternal glory that far surpasses any of the troubles that you have or will yet face here and now. Don't forget the coming glory of heaven. Let it keep you anchored as you face whatever it is you have to face here in this world. Glory is coming and it's yours. That coach, the one who had his players fitted for Super Bowl rings eight days before the Super Bowl, it worked. His team won. And those players are now the proud owners of every National Football League player's dream, a Super Bowl ring. This morning, as you see the Savior shining in heavenly glory, know that this is just a taste. Because he went and won the victory for us, we can look forward to a life forever in his presence, a a crown of life, a glory that will far exceed the, the best that you can possibly imagine. Don't forget the glory. It's yours in Christ, your glorious Savior. Amen. 